This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by The Rope Trainer. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one, from big leaguers to little leaguers. Make sure you check out theropetrainer.com today. A uh, wonderful device by my friends Earl Perrin, Chris Verna, and, of course, the Hall of Famer John Smoltz as they try to help and, and deal with this uh, young arm epidemic that we have. I'm not going to call it an epidemic. I, I guess maybe that – I don't even know if that's what it would be termed. All I know is we got a problem. And we need to try to fix it. I'm not 100% sure how we do that. But that being said, I think we're going to have to uh, going to have to try to figure some things out uh, to help these kids. Uh, I think it starts with us as coaches, and I think it starts with us as parents. So uh, make sure you check out theropetrainer.com today. Um, going to talk a little bit this week as we are in that, um, you know, pitchers and catchers have just reported to spring training. And I was telling somebody uh, not too long ago that for, for me, for me, being in the Midwest, I've had some people ask me about this, talking about like when kids should start actual throwing, like pitching throwing. And again, I'm not a rocket scientist. I didn't study. I didn't stay at a holiday in last night. I didn't do any of this stuff. But you know, I've got some friends that are pretty heavily involved in this. And one of them being um, Coach Darren Hendrickson, who's been on the show before, who is the head baseball coach at uh, St. Louis University, the Division One college located here in the Midwest. Um, he runs a good program. Um, they're a very successful uh, uh, Division One program. Uh, Darren's a very knowledgeable guy. Um, gets a lot of uh, uh, help from the the big league club here in St. Louis, the Cardinals, as he throws BP over there, and he's in tight with that that group. Um, so, you know, uh, he's done a lot of research on this and a lot of things. But you know, what he does know is is just simple basics that make sense, right? So um, one of the things I wanted to talk about today was that six-week window where pitchers kind of start really ramping things up to prepare their themselves to actually pitch in games and be what the term would be stretched out. Um, and to be completely honest with you, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I've had a lot of people ask me about it, and I've been invited to things, and I've seen things, and I see people doing things I'm not even going to say unorthodox. I'm just going to say doing things just because it sounds right or it seems right. One of those being, uh, evidently, um, when a kid gets on the mound and just starts heaving pitches. Um, for me, the one thing that I think that gets overlooked in the whole preparation process for pitching, especially with kids, and I think it's a product of tournaments, and then you know you have games during the week and things like that, I also think it's a product, and you guys know how I feel about this. I think it's a product of trying to have kids throw, you know, three or four innings one day, three or four innings the next. You know, well, you know, the tournament says they get eight innings or whatever it is. Um, that makes those types of things or, you know, kids that pitch a bunch on the weekend and then try to pitch during the week, it, it makes trying to help them get better and learn how to pitch, it makes it harder. So it all starts with how you go about getting started. Um, and, and what I'm going to say to you is the two things that I think that get overlooked at the youth level are pitching or throwing off a flat ground and actually throwing some bullpens. Now, you know, 
There's a there's a thousand different things you can do to help you. I'm just talking about things that I think that get overlooked. Okay. There's no guarantee if you do this, X is going to happen. I just think there are things that have a lot of, there's a lot of common sense to them and people really care. So I, I, I want to talk a little bit about it today and, and we are going to, I'm just going to give you some thoughts on it. Some, some educated thoughts, not perfect thoughts, not, not uh, cemented in stone thoughts, just some educated thoughts based on things as I have acquired different pieces over the years. And again, as I always say, just things that kind of make sense. Because, and, and again, I want, I want people to understand this, especially when it comes to throwing and things like that for kids. I, I think sometimes we want to find that magic pill, so to speak, that says if you do this, X will happen. There, that doesn't exist. So for me, it's more about educated decisions where I think the outcome while maybe not perfect, lends us the best chance of, A, getting better, having some success, and also being healthy. And I think sometimes common sense is what gets lost in all this. So I'm just going to tell you my thoughts today on some things based on conversations that I've had and a lot of questions I got this week. want to have those conversations. And then, obviously, as always, if, especially for some of the influencers listening to the show, if you want to add anything to it, please get with me because I'm always trying to get a little smarter because I could always use it. Who couldn't? So um, on that note, uh, I want to remind everybody to check us out at youthbaseballtalk.com. It's the website. It's where you can listen to the show. Um, the big thing you can do there is you can subscribe to the show, which is completely free, and you'll get a notification whenever the new show's out. Uh, you could do your shopping at uh, Amazon there. It would really help us. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything extra to use Amazon. We get a very small referral that helps us with production costs, and, again, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, social media is kind of how we stay connected and how we keep an eye on what the the trending topics are or what people are talking about. It also, fortunately and unfortunately, gives us insight into people and what they're thinking sometimes in the heat of the moment and as we try to address things and, and make them better. So uh, we'd ask that you follow us on Twitter. We are at Podcast Baseball. Um, unlike other Twitter accounts, um, if you're a baseball person and you're involved, we're going to follow you back because that's how we stay informed. We're not all that interested in following 100 people and having 10,000 followers. We use it as a communication and an educational tool. Uh, Facebook's the same way. That's our real big ask of you guys as listeners. And if I could ask all of you that listen to the show, especially those of you that religiously listen to it, and I do appreciate you, find us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is Youth Baseball Talk. So I'm going to ask you to do this. Go to Youth Baseball Talk, like the page, and then you're going to see... I think it's down on the right. You're going to see invite your friends. When you click on that, your list will come up of all your friends that you're friends with on Facebook. My guess is, is a lot of them are involved in this baseball to some degree. Please invite them. You just click invite whoever you, you don't have to invite everybody. You just invite the ones you know that are involved. Invite them to like the Facebook page. That's what it'll do. And that just enables us to try to reach more people and get more people involved in these discussions. I would appreciate it greatly. Um, the other thing I'd ask is when you see the post on Facebook of the show, or if you see it on Twitter, if you could, you know, comment on it, like it, but more importantly, share it or retweet it. That helps us gain relevance with the post and with the new algorithms. It's just it's, it's getting harder to get it out to see people. So that's what you could really do for the show if you, you know, and a lot of you really do care about the show and, and appreciate it. And, and I do thank you so much because you guys are what's made the show what it is. So if you could all do that, you know, just some of you, if you think about it, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, you can find us on Instagram as well, Youth Baseball Talk. Uh, lineupmedia.fm, a lot of thanks goes out to them and my wonderful producers, Brian Crock and Andrew Allen. Make sure you check out lineupmedia.fm for other podcasts you may be involved uh, in, in checking out. 
they take your entertainment time very seriously, folks. Uh, Yo Radio will be out soon, their newest thing. Uh, it's going to be a, a great platform for both music, content, talk, baseball, anything you may want. So make sure you check it out. Um, and again, uh, a, a special shout out one one more time to the ropetrainer.com. Make sure you check it out. And again, if John Smoltz, as I said, is going to take a few minutes out of his a Hall of Fame speech to address this. I, I'm going to listen, and I think you should too. Okay, so let's talk about um, what was on my mind today, and that is it first starts with making sure that you're preparing the arm to actually pitch in a game. From what I understand, it takes around six weeks of planning for that. And now that what that is is, you know, uh, bullpens uh, that start with flat grounds. And what are flat grounds? Uh, and, again, the way we used them when they were young, they were flat grounds that we told the kids, we don't want you to give 100% on these. What we really want you to do is focus on just getting in the mitt and focus on, you know, and what we did was, and again, this came from Darren. This was his thing, you know. So we would go, we started with 20 pitches, the very first flat ground when they were younger, 20, 20 throws, okay? I'm sorry, 25 throws. We went five right down the middle, Okay. And then we'd go five up and in, five up and away, five low and in, five low and away. And then we'd just build on that each week until we got it to where we felt like it was manageable for them to build up arm strength. Then as you know, after a couple weeks of throwing those, we'd add in a second time where they would actually throw a bullpen. They'd actually get up on the mound and same thing. They would only throw X amount of pitches. Um, what we did there was, and, and it worked for us. I'm not saying it works for everybody. And, and, and let me say this, it didn't work for every kid I had. But what it did do was it did seem like we had healthy arms when the time came to start playing. Uh, we didn't have what I saw other teams dealing with in that first week or two of the season, all the kids' arms are dragging. We didn't have that. Now, maybe we were lucky or maybe we were smart. I don't know. I call us, I call us lucky and smart. We were lucky that we had guys that were involved that really cared and, and wanted to take the time to say, look, just don't do like – you've seen for years and just go stand up on a mound and just start heaving pitches where we were smart was we were smart enough to listen. And that's kind of, you know, goes hand in hand. So for us, that's kind of how we did it. And again, we would build it up to where that last week before our first game, we had kids actually throw into live hitters. We might actually, you know, as they got older, we started that two weeks out. So our hitters had a chance to see live pitching. Our pitchers had a chance to go in and throw bullpens against live hitters. They didn't show up for their first game. You know, I, I, I hear a lot of people that disagree with that. They're like, man, when they're kids, man, our pitchers are trying to get ready and they're hitting kids. And, are, and it's like, well, I, I, okay. But how is anybody ever going to get any better? So for us, that's kind of how we viewed it and kind of how we went through the process. Um, so, you know, again, the buildup of the arm strength is what's key. Um, you know, revolving that around – kids trying to play other positions and do other things, it can get a little dicey. I promise you, if they go through a full-board bullpen, they're going to need a day. And it's okay. I mean, I don't understand this. You know, again, there's nothing wrong with playing catch every day. But when you go pitch and you you exert all that energy and you're up and down inning after inning and, and all this kind of stuff, you need a day afterwards. You just do. And we don't ever see that anymore. You know, we see kids – in Little League games, go pitch a complete game or, God forbid, however many pitches they throw or innings they throw, and then, man, they go out and play their normal positions the rest of the weekend. 
And because, you know, and because 90% of the time, you know, you never see what's really going on or, you know, just 90% of the time it's okay. We just think that that's acceptable and normal. So, you know, there's really, in my opinion, there's, there's, there's really no reason not to try to, to A, try to be careful with it and do it right to some degree. Okay, now obviously there's many ways to skin a cat. But also to look at it from a, I'm going to help the kid get better too because the thing that gets lost in the flat ground is the ability to work on location of pitches. I see more and more every day. I see kids, I mean, and again, I'm, I'm not like, oh, back in my day. No, it's, it's not that. But, man, I see a lot of baseball now, and I see a lot of kids with these electric arms that can't throw strikes. And you can't, I mean, it's not, I mean, for it to be that noticeable to me and many, many others tells me we're missing the boat somewhere. Now, I also know there's, you know, we always talk about the rush to velocity or the, the mad dash to velocity, the chicken and egg thing. What came first, the chicken and egg? Well, what gets you noticed, velocity or pitchability? I'm sorry to, to let everybody know that, you know, you got to be able to throw the baseball. And, and I always say this to you, oh, well, you got to be able to pitch. Yes, you do. So, A, let's look at this from, from that aspect and how this relates. If you can really pitch, you can play. There's no doubt about that. If you can really pitch, you can play. If you can really throw it, you're going to garner a lot of interest, even if you can't really pitch, because like everything in life, there's a whole bunch of people that think they can teach you how to pitch, right? It, I do find it odd, though, that when you have a kid that can really pitch, you don't have near as many people saying, man, he can really pitch. I'm going to go teach him how to throw harder. <laughs> it's almost like they think, well, I can't teach that. But we know that's not true either. But maybe by that point, they think, well, it, it, we are where we are. But we know that's not true. So I've always found that interesting too. So let's revert back now to where we're talking about the young kids. Okay, well, uh, you know, how do you learn how to throw strikes? It's like it, 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 and, and that comes from these flat grounds and these bullpens. So it's like when I sit there and I say, how many, you know, raise your hand, I've got my hand up, how many times have you been to a, a baseball game and you hear a coach yell at a kid to stay back on a curveball? We hear it every time, right? Or, and then I want to ask, how many curveballs have you hit in practice? Now, some coaches may be like, we do it every week, coach, and we're just struggling. Okay. But I've asked the question to numerous coaches, and they all look at me like, what do you mean how many curveballs do we hit in practice? How the hell are we going to hit curveballs in practice, coach? <laughs> you know, now, to each their own, and everybody has their own situations, the, the bottom line is this. I, I, I had a, a, a dad that was a coach on a team that threw unbelievable batting practice and could throw curveballs in batting practice for strikes at will. Controlled, 75%, you know, controlled batting practice speed curveballs. It was a wonderful thing to have. I also know how rare that is. So we actually did try to work on it. I'm not quite sure it made us any better, but we tried to work on it, okay? I know that that's not something that's readily of it, but you got to find, okay, so let's figure it out and find a way. But what I guess I was getting at was it doesn't do any good to sit there and tell a kid to do something if you've never worked on it. Pitching's the same way. So when you see these guys struggling during the week, I always want to say, is this kid going to get to throw a flat ground bullpen or some sort of, let's see, it's Saturday or Tuesday, are you going to take him out and let him throw a flat ground bullpen and let him try to work on strikes? Or... Are you getting on him because he can't throw strikes? You're just going to throw him right back up on a mound in a few days and say, go get him. And then people say, well, well, coach, I can't be throwing bullpens because then, you know, who's going to pitch these games? <laughs> well, somebody else has got to pitch. 
If you want a guy to stay sharp, ask any big leaguer how they stay sharp, or ask any college guy, any high school, they throw bullpens between starts. Why in the world do we think that the better athlete, the more developed kid, the more developed adult, the best athletes in the world, why do we think they have to do it, but a kid doesn't, and he's going to be just fine? <laughs> some of this stuff's common sense, folks. And again, I got some of you out there going, Jim, that's not realistic. I've only got five or six kids that can pitch. Well, then shame on you. You either built your team that way and don't care, or you have no interest in, in letting those other five kids pitch regardless of the outcome. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm also not saying don't coach your team. You can plan out your quote-unquote rotation, right, can't you? And say, okay, these are my weekend pitchers. These are my during-the-week pitchers. I mean, we always had a, a, a kid that sometimes, you know, we didn't – you know, we played high-level baseball. We, you know, we very rarely won a tournament. So we always had a kid or two that would have pitched in another game that didn't pitch, and then they would pitch, you know, and, and we would just rotate it around a little bit. But we always had certain kids that were certain games. Sometimes those kids had to pitch in league, and they didn't pitch. I don't understand. And then sometimes we'd run out of pitching, and the guys that really weren't your normal pitchers, they'd have to go pitch. I, I say this all the time to people when we talk about all the years of doing things. I had a kid that I absolutely loved on my team. I only had him for one year. He had a real confidence issue. Things didn't work out. You know, wound up leaving the team. It was a really tough thing because I loved, I, I, just, I thought the world of the kid. But um, there was there were some other things that went along with it. The parents kind of started leaking into the kid's head that he wasn't being treated fairly because he wasn't performing. He wasn't doing well defensively. And, you know, his, he, you know, he wasn't a quote-unquote starter. I don't know what the hell that means at that age because we would rotate starting kids and doing all this kind of stuff, but whatever you want to call it. So I could tell there was disgruntledness leaking in from the parents because of the way he started approaching the way it was handled. And um, so I lost him. But I, I went back to that year not too long ago when I was talking to somebody about the situation, and I thought one of my favorite tournament wins that I had in all that time was – we played in a really good tournament and got ourselves into a semifinal game, and we had to throw our two best pitchers. We had saved them, and, you know, I think you hope. And we were at the age where, you know, if our number one guy would have went out there and pitched really, really well, he may have been able to throw a complete game because he was that good. I mean, he could throw a, a six-inning game and keep it under and keep it at 70 pitches sometimes or under. Um, you know, and then he, of course, wouldn't throw for five days, uh, wouldn't pitch for five days. Um, but you know, we went out and, you know, the other team was really good and we wound our, we wound up getting in a battle. I mean, they scored some runs off our guy, you know, they had their guy on the mound. We hit well, it, it was a small field. So I think we had a few home runs at one. I was one of those type of things. And, you know, we got to the, you know, my, our, our best pitcher, you know, he got to the fourth inning and that was it. He had to come out, you know, so we had to pitch our number two guy, you know, and he went out and through, you know, through little over two innings. And and you know we want and he pitched us great, and we wind up winning and we make the the the, the finals. Well, I got to go to one of these kids that's a, a bottom half guy, and it's this kid. He had a good arm though. He just really struggled with strikes, and you know didn't didn't do much. And you know, and he was a kid that would a lot of times you know he's he was just a, you know he struggled a little bit, but he had potential. And you know, and 
a lot of times you hated to pitch him early in a tournament because he was one of these kids that his arm would be really sore the next day and he couldn't play a defensive position and you hated sitting him on. It was just a weird situation. He was a really good league pitcher for us in that aspect because he would throw and then he'd have a, a day or two off before we'd play in a tournament and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I went to this kid in the championship game and I said, hey, go get him. And this kid went out and pitched five great innings. Gave us everything he had for five innings and we wind up beating this team that was better than us in a championship game, um, you know, it was very satisfying, very gratifying. Now, if he would have went out and not pitched well, what what would have been the what would have been the, the the other outcome? We'd have lost. Okay, here I am, however many years later, and the outcome is what it was. But everything still pertains to what I'm saying. This kid went out, he got an opportunity to pitch, and he did well. It doesn't mean that now all of a sudden i got to start taking innings away from other kids. It just means he went out and did a, did a fine job. There are kids out there that aren't pitching that could go out and do a fine job for you. We won games where we got knocked around. Some of our kids got knocked around. Sometimes we tell our kids, hey, you're going to have to make some plays behind these guys. You're going to have to start swinging the bat. Let's go. We played in a lot of tournaments where the pitching dominated, and we had some good pitchers. And, you know, when you play in a youth baseball game, and it's, to be quite honest, you know, when, when you're playing at that level and games are 4-2 or 5-3 or 3-1 or 3-2, I mean, those, I mean, you know what you're getting when you see those scores at that level. I mean, you know, from 50 feet or 46 feet and guys are throwing gas. And, you know, down south and from out, you know, you get some kids that are already throwing curveballs and things like that. You know, it, it, they're pitchers duels. And a lot of teams go out and they build their teams that way. We didn't do that. We built it around a bunch of little athletes that could all throw. And then we tried to develop them. Now, not every kid developed. And some kids would fill that role. But how did we do that? I mean, again, I, th I think a lot, we didn't take into account how important the flat grounds were until it was made to be important to us. All it did was teach kids how to throw and how to locate. And it also taught them this is how you pitch. You don't just get up there and throw it. You know, I, you know your body. A controlled flat ground where you literally are in control of your body and feel it. And try to put it, you know, and little th little cues for the kids. Hey, don't aim at his glove. Aim at the middle of his glove. Aim at the shirt dot. Aim at the, you know, again, little cues that kids can pick up on and then actually have a little fun with. So, you know, again, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say that the flat grounds and the and, and then when they got older, us going to letting some of our pitchers that were weekend guys – Making sure they did not throw during the week and threw a bullpen so that they could get themselves better, I think it helped immensely. I really do. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, again, I think they get overlooked, and I think they get lost in the shuffle and all this. And it's not something that I want to see happen for everybody. So, you know, for me, if we can, I just want to bring that up and make people kind of understand that kind of, I guess, <laughs> for lack of a better term. And, again, I'm not – you know, this isn't a, a session to, you know, try to tell people, hey, you know, you're doing this wrong or you're doing that wrong. That's not what this is. This is more of a, hey, are you really taking into account what is necessary for you for your kid to go hop up on a mound and just start throwing, to be completely honest with you? So um, <laughs> I always laugh about the, the hitting and pitching lessons where you show up, uh, the old school, and, hey, guilty as charged here, done it, where you show up, and the kid gets in the cage and starts swinging a bat. I mean, he just – mom and dad pull up. He gets out, throws off his coat and gets in there, and we just start – you know, there's no 
there's no ground. It's just the same thing with pitching, man. Show up and just start throwing off that mound. I mean, the, there's a there's a better way to get better. I mean, are we working to get better or are we just doing work? <laughs> you know, so anyway, just something I was thinking about based on some conversations I had with people. Don't forget, guys, it takes a good six weeks to build up arm strength to go out and throw in these games. You got to do that. You know, and then let's try to remember that if you're if you're like us and your starting period is April 1st, you know, they don't need to throw a ton of innings in April. There's a lot of innings to be had in May and then June and especially July. And, you know, I, you know, limit it down a little bit and, and, and keep them fresh. Keep them ready. Keep them learning. Give them the opportunity to always be getting better instead of dealing with this, that and the other thing, because we're so focused on the pitching aspect of it. So, anyway, just some thoughts based on some conversations I've had with people. I hope you guys take a look at that. Lots of research out there you can do on flat grounds and the importance and how to utilize them and, and all that kind of stuff. So, again, I would take a look at it. There's a million different ways to do all this stuff. And, again, I think you guys, um, without question, do a great job of that out there, most of the coaches. And, again, I want to thank everybody again for reaching back on some of these, uh, I guess, are commentary-type pieces that I do when I get on here and just start talking a little bit they truly are a result of the conversations that I have with the listeners some of the things they they send at me and some of the things they do and I also want everybody to understand this because I get this a lot I 100 percent okay 100 percent don't need anybody to apologize to me for contacting me privately okay I I get it a lot of you know we got a thing going on with and this is what's sad it is kind of sad though most of the people that get a hold of me they don't want to do it in public like tweeting at me or putting it in a facebook comment because they don't want to be ridiculed for their thoughts questions or answers or feelings on a subject and that's where we're at right now with all this right like if you're a guy that says you know if, if you want to counter argue my points on pitching on the weekend somebody may want to do that but they don't want to get ridiculed for it they don't want oh, people or if you want to agree with that you don't want somebody like they did to me oh you're what's wrong with america we don't try to win it you know people people Especially people in this, if you're doing this for the right reasons, the last thing you want is a confrontation over youth baseball. So I understand it. So, so from now on, guys, no need to even apologize. I love the conversations. Just keep them coming. Um, and, again, I appreciate all you do for the show. And, uh, and, and, you know, supporting our sponsors is a way that you guys can do that. Again, um, you know, special thanks to the Rope Trainer, theropetrainer.com. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Check it out today. It's time now to go to our good friend Kurt McNabb with Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Again, you guys know how I feel about Kurt and everything that he does for the game of baseball. Make sure you guys check him out at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. He does a great job. The Rope Trainer guys couldn't have picked a better guy to represent him here on the Rope Report. Let's see what he's got for us this week. Take it away, Kurt. Hello, Jim. Pretty quiet week in the MLB, but those Winter Olympics have been a ton of fun to watch, whether you're American or Canadian. I would like to say congratulations to you and the rest of the, our American dirtbags on the women's ho- ice hockey win over our Canadian women. What a great game all around. And it's one of the examples of an area of culture that goes unnoticed that I want to talk about this week on the Rope Report. It's the absolute importance of caring within your culture. Every single Olympic athlete has caring built into their culture on a whole other level for not only themselves, but an entire nation. In order to reach that level, you have to trust or you have to have a trust network that includes parents, coaches, trainers, therapists, mental training coaches, friends, etc. that care about them, the athlete, as well as them, the person. 
I watched a TV segment that talked about the country of Norway not keeping scores or wins or losses in any sports activities until their children are the age of 13. They simply wanted the youth of their country to learn to care and hopefully love sports before this age. Now, I'm not here to tell you that this philosophy is right or wrong, but what I do know is that adults care about wins and losses way more than the kids, and that's the reality. Kids only act like they care because they learn it from us as coaches and parents and how we react, so they end up reacting the same way. But if you look at it from the other side and you pay attention and didn't make reactions, you would notice that about 10 minutes after every game that they've played, they just want to mess around with their friends. They don't talk about the wins or losses. They just simply want to have fun. Now, this doesn't mean they don't care about the sport, and it doesn't mean they don't didn't compete. And learning to compete is very important, and I encourage it with everything. Learning to compete is powerful. It comes down to what's realistic and what's not. Showing you care about something or someone or the entire team is powerful and ultimately will lead to a lot more wins than focusing on only winning or losing and being happy if you or they won and grumpy and miserable if you or they lose. This brings me to something that baffles my mind in the game of professional baseball and 100% goes against showing you care at all about the player if you're the organization or your teammates and coaches if you're the player. The arbitration process. The arbitration process. Think about how insane this is that a professional league that includes players and owners that have very strong egos and personalities involved as and, and then involved in the game but then they have this type of a payment structure where they have to go in front of a mediation and battle for their side. Now, the rest of the time, they go to the media and they talk about how much they care about each other and how excited or happy they are to be playing for that team or that he is on our team. And then they go to arbitration and have to tell the player how bad they are, how weak they are, that they're not a good teammate, and whatever else they have to say to win their side of the case. I don't care who you are. <laughs> when negative things get said about you, you take it personally and never forget what was said. Then, after the arbitration hearing, you have to go back out there and say we care about each other. Or you have to tell each other that you care about each other. There's not a chance that they actually care about each other after having to go through this process. It just makes me laugh because it's so insane that educated adults think that this is the way to do business and this is a good thing. I encourage you all to add caring into your culture because, one, when you care about yourself, your parents, your kids, your teammates, your coaches, your players, you and they will perform at a much higher level. Two, you have to actually take a personal interest in them as individuals or as part of your team or organization, and this goes for everyone that's included. Three, you have to surround yourself with people 
that get the culture you're building and actually care about it as well. It does you no good if they don't truly care about your culture because they're going to fight you and they're going to never buy in. Four, you have to make your team understand and expect the importance of caring for each other. Five, make each player, coach, etc., feel valued as a person and not just someone filling out a roster spot. Six, let each individual know why you care so much about them so that they understand why sometimes you have to be hard on them and you expect more of them. How does caring tie into the rope trainer? I personally care about your arm health, improving your throwing mechanics, and creating the best possible you. And I know that if using the rope, uh, no, sorry, I know that if you use the rope trainer as part of your throwing or pitching program, this will happen. I care about your arm health, but if you don't care, then the rope trainer is not for you. I'm not for you. Simple as that. By the way, no other training aid, throwing, or pitching program is for you either if you just simply don't care about it. If you don't care about the arm health, then the game of baseball maybe isn't even for you because it's going to be tough to care about if you're always in pain with your arm, your shoulder, or your elbow. Because for those of us that have been there, there's nothing fun about that. Bottom line is this, dirtbags. I guarantee that if you care about your arm health and your culture, then using the rope trainer as a part of your throwing program is a must and that your baseball career will take off like you've never thought possible. You can go to www.theropetrainer.com to get yours now. Be sure to enter the code DIRTBAG in the number 5, that's DIRTBAG in the number 5 at checkout, so that they know you heard about it here on the Rope Report. If you care about and are willing to commit to being the best pitcher, catcher, or hitter you can be, then you need to contact me, Kirk McNabb, now at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com or by phone, 226-821-2402. And let's start building your mindset. We invite you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram as well. So I guess what I'm saying is, what are you waiting for, dirtbags? Let's get your mind right so you can get up Get after it and get dirty every single day. Great stuff as always from my man, Kurt McNabb. He's a wonderful uh, ambassador for the rope trainer. He does such a great job. If you guys only knew the things that went on behind the scenes that Kirk makes sure uh, happen, on a, he, he makes sure that it happens and it's going down. Uh, he's very serious about what he does. If you listen to him, you can tell the passion he has for it. Uh, the reason I love, he is a mental guy, folks. And if you want to learn more about it, make sure you check out Kurt McNabb at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. And, of course, special thanks to our friends at theropetrainer.com for their weekly segment of The Rope Trainer. The Rope Report brought to you by The Rope Trainer. All right, other guy that I, uh, again, appreciate uh, providing us with content each and every week and an ability to help educate our listeners. And and uh, you never know what you may may hear from, from him or his comrade in arms there. But Justin uh, Stone and Travis Kerber, two of the absolute best uh, out of Chicago, Illinois, with EliteBaseball.tv, one of the premier programs in the country. Um, these guys are working with 
like I said, I love these guys, and this is why, folks, you never know what you're going to see. You may see them with a big leaguer one day and with a six-year-old kid the next day just t- teaching him to have fun with the game. I'm telling you, these guys are – take advantage of this, folks. You don't get the opportunity to have access to people like Justin Stone and Travis Kerber every day. Check them out at EliteBaseball.tv. Let's go to them now and see what they've got for us on their EliteBaseball.tv training tip of the week. Take it away, guys. Thanks, Jim. Justin Stone with EliteBaseball.tv. And today we have a sticky subject. What if you work all off-season with a swing coach, a dad, somebody you trust, and you'll build a swing that you know is going to have success in the season, and all of a sudden you get into practice and coach says, can't do it that way, got to do it my way. And that's a tough subject to broach. Oftentimes, as we have older players, I tell them this. I say, this is your career. It's not my career as a coach. I'm giving you suggestions. I want you to feel things out for yourself, but ultimately, you have to decide what works for you. And if somebody's trying to put their thumbprint, or worse, dictate who you're going to be in the batter's box, how you're going to swing the bat, what style you're going to choose or use, we have a tough subject there that we have to work through, a potential conflict. For the older players, I say you have to become a man at this point. You might be a young adult, but you have to speak to an adult in an adult-like manner and come to a compromise. Say, this is who I am. I'm comfortable in this swing technique. It's on me if I fail. I feel like I trust in what my body is doing, that I can have success in this. And coach, if it doesn't work, then we can go back to the drawing board. But as you've heard me say before in podcasts, it's difficult when somebody tries to impress a style upon a hitter that might be foreign to them. We're trying to let the hitter be comfortable in their skin in the batter's box because we know that's what's going to make them most athletic. When we become thought-free for mechanics, we become the best athlete we can possibly be in the batter's box. So choosing our own style is always going to work better. But you're definitely going to have people, programs, that say we're all going to hit this way. And I've had it where the coach says, no matter what, we're not coming to a compromise. You have to hit this way. And all of a sudden, the student came back to me, and I said, you're in a tough spot, but I can teach you to hit that way in a short amount of time. So we have to change the style. That doesn't always work great for the player, but sometimes it's what you have to do. That would be a very unfortunate circumstance. But for the youth player, what if we spend a lot of time with an outside professional that you've put money and trust in, you feel like it's going well, and then you're going to maybe a volunteer coach, uh, a travel ball dad, and you have the same thing. It says you can't hit that way. And maybe you know you're getting bad advice and bad information. It's at that point where I feel like the parent has to step in and have a civil conversation of uh, not one where I'm better than you, I'm right, you're wrong, spelling out your philosophy and why. There has to be a why to everything you do or it's probably not a good reason to do it. And that's the question I even try to get my eight, nine, and 10-year-olds to ask. If you don't understand it, or you think it's odd to you, it's not comfortable to you, ask me why. If I don't have a good answer for why, I don't want you to do it. But it also starts that conversation with, between players and coaches that I think sometimes doesn't do a good, we don't do a good enough job with as athletes. Part of the learning process as a hitter is the communication part. It has to be a two-way street, not just the coach talking and giving information to the player, but the player communication what he or she feels with the coach. And asking questions, even if that question is, why coach should I be doing this, or what should I be feeling, or what is the purpose of this drill, 
spurs a conversation. And it doesn't mean that you're being derogatory towards an adult. And I think that's a lot of times what some kids fear is, well, I can't speak out against an adult, or I don't want to offend an adult, or that's not the way I was taught to talk to my parents. And we're not saying we're, we're doing this in an untactful way. We're saying, be tactful, ask them properly what we're trying to get out of this, what I should be feeling, and again, that's going to spur a conversation. So we have this happen every year. I'm not using or citing a specific example. I've had this happen a number of times over a long period of time, but at this point of the year, I know there's listeners out there that this is happening to you right now, and that is my best advice on how to broach the subject. Until next time, this is Justin Stone from EliteBaseball.tv. I'll be in warmer climates and out of Chicago next time I talk to you working in spring training. And then maybe I'll give you some tidbits on what I learned there before I come back and start coaching my t-ball team the next week. So I'm going from both ends of the spectrum. I'm excited to bring you some of that information. Till next time, we'll see you on the field. Great job as always. And again, I appreciate everything they do and everything they do for baseball across the country, especially the kids out there. They take what they do very serious and their role as an influencer within the game. So make sure you check them out at EliteBaseball.tv. I'm happy to bring you our next segment with our newest partner, Precision Impact, uh, the great uh, equipment company out of Canada, precisionimpact.ca. Uh, give them an opportunity for your business. Uh, remember that one of the things I've, you know, that, that they bring to the table that allows them to be so competitive is they're very streamlined and they automate their uh, business by outsourcing all their warehousing. So they allow, that allows them to have better pricing for you. Uh, that allows them to put money back into their research and development on what they do. Make sure you guys check it out. They offer volume discounts for schools and colleges. Or if you're uh, going to stock up a new gym, training facility, something like that, they can help you out with all that. Don't forget now that they got their coaches for them. So in 2018, they're going to build a community through Facebook and YouTube channels. Gives you an opportunity to do feedback with their wonderful ambassador, Dirk Dombrowski. Of course, Phil Chow, my friend at Precision uh, Impact. Uh, does a great job providing all of this and bringing Dirk Dombrowski to the show each and every week. I want to remind everybody that when you check them out at precisionimpact.ca, you can pick up their wonderful products along with a discount. Uh, when it's time to check out, the coupon code is YouthBaseballTalk. You'll receive an additional 10% off on your purchase. Let's go to Dirk and see what he has for us this week. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Precision Impact. My name is Dirk, and on today's segment, we're going to talk to the coaches specifically about how to set your lineup. Now this might seem like a really simple task, but when you really have some strategy to it, you can actually inspire some athletes to work extra hard to carry and get in on that lineup. Typically coaches will have their top nine players, I hear it all the time, their, their favorites and stuff like that, but my strategy personally, personally is a little bit different. I let every athlete and the team know that I make the lineup every week. You're essentially trying out all week during practices to make that starting lineup for the games on the weekends. Now that can even consist of our pregame. So showing up on time to your games and practices is going to contribute to whether or not you start on those games. Being mentally, physically prepared for the practices and games is going to contribute to whether or not you start on those games. As well as obviously having your equipment, making sure you're not forgetting cleats, gloves, pants, hats, jerseys. All these types of things are contributing towards, again, starting that game on the weekend. Now, there's a long list, and we're going to go over just a couple of little things that I specifically look out for every practice and every game to establish my starting nine. Now, a couple of other things are um, playing a good game of catch. Now, that consists of practices and games, but I'm looking for those athletes who are genuinely working hard at their games of catch to get better. 
And when I can see a player play a good game of catch, that's going to translate into their gameplay. They're going to make those throws from third base short, second, or in the outfields hitting their cuts. They're going to be doing the small things right. The hitting during batting practice, uh, during practices and games, are, do they have an approach? Are they genuinely working on things? Are they laying the bunts down when they need to? Hitting uh, or batting practice is something really crucial to keep an eye on to make sure that some of these athletes are doing the little things right, not just hitting the ball really far, but are they putting it in play? Are they actually working on keeping um, their hands inside the baseball? Are they driving to the right side of the field? Focused. I, I mean, I'm looking for those athletes who, during their warm-up, uh, aren't talking necessarily about the things they did that night, but what are the things that they're going to be doing that day in the game? You know, Maybe if you've played that team already, are the players talking about their starting pitcher or the big hitters on their team? When you, I want my starting nine players to be extremely focused from the second they literally even step in the vehicle to drive to the game. Um, taking ground balls and fly balls? Are they bodying up, keeping the balls in front of them simply during practice? Um, are, how's their footwork? You know, um, how's their throwing? How's their hands? All these small little things are going to contribute as to which players I want to see starting on that game. Attitude, effort, probably you know the two biggest words you'll hear all the time in baseball. Do they have a good attitude that game? Are they showing up with high energy levels? Do they, do they appear like they really want to be there? Are they excited? Are they putting effort into the little things? Are they hustling when they're supposed to be moving around the field? Hustle is going to be a big thing. I want my nine guys hustling everybody. Showing up to practices early, showing up to games early, so those kinds of athletes I want starting. As well as, you know, something maybe you talked about last practice or last game. Are they following instructions, whether it be, um, something to do with stealing, maybe it's a footwork, maybe it's first movement, maybe it's batting. You know, are they following the instructions of something they've, you've told them perhaps a week ago? And there's just an, an endless list of things like this, but these are the key facts that I look for when setting a lineup. I want every athlete to know that they have an opportunity to start that game. I want to inspire them to show up early, to show up prepared mentally, physically. I want them to show up with an approach at the plate. I want them to know that a good game of catch is going to contribute to them starting. And when you give an honest chance to every athlete in your team, you're going to get and see their small improvements. You're going to start noticing that they are trying just a little bit more. And instead of telling them to try harder, you're going to inspire them to want to try better, to make that starting lineup. Now, not in, now in, in the event that they don't make the starting nine, because there are only nine spots that initially you can start with, I want to look for those athletes who are on the bench equally trying just as hard. Are they picking up the players who are stranded on base with their hat and glove? You know, are they, are they yelling steal? Are they yelling pick off? Are they doing the little things? Are they picking up bats, uh, grabbing foul balls? You know, are they making a huge contribution when they're even on the bench? Because those are the athletes that I want to actually have replace some of the starting nine players if they're not performing properly. Because it's going to happen where those starting nine, regardless of you going through your list and trying to pick the best nine possible for that specific day in that specific game, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to they're going to fatigue really easily. And you want the players on the bench that want to get in, that are showing high energy levels, that are going to do just as good of a job, if not better, when the opportunity finally comes along. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the video, maybe a topic for our future video, or any questions on some of the topics we've talked about in the past, leave a comment down below. Thanks very much. Hey guys, thanks for checking out our video. If you're a coach or athlete who wants to improve your game, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and like our Facebook page so that you can stay up to date with the latest coaching tips, training techniques, and baseball information. Also, if you're looking for professional quality baseball training equipment, check out our website at precisionimpact.ca.
We sell a variety of training tools such as plow balls, weighted baseballs, resistance bands, heavy hitting baseballs, and much more. Not only do we have the best prices and warranties, but we also have amazing customer service and free shipping for orders over $25. So come check us out at precisionimpact.ca and start making an impact in your baseball career. Thanks as always, guys. Really appreciate everything you do for the show. And again, bringing precisionimpact.ca to all of our listeners and the ability to receive that 10% off of your purchase. Don't forget, precisionimpact.ca. Pick out your products that you need, anything they got there from the uh, from the balls that, that allow you to, to work on hitting, to, to feel it off the bat with the heaviness, uh, the weighted balls, everything that you may use within your training regimen. Check them out at precisionimpact.ca. Don't forget, Youth Baseball Talk, receive your 10% off by putting that in your uh, uh, coupon code. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show this week. Again, my contributors and my partners, uh, theropetrainer.com, of course, the group over there, precisionimpact.ca, elitebaseball.tv, and, of course, uh, my good friend, Kurt McNabb with Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Encourage you one last time to check out youthbaseballtalk.com. Subscribe to the show there. Do your shopping through Amazon and, and give us a helping hand if you don't mind. Follow us on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Please don't forget to go to Facebook and like our page there and invite, invite all your baseball comrades to like it there as well. Simply, click, or simply type in Youth Baseball Talk in the search bar, like the page, and then click Invite Your Friends. Find us on Instagram, Youth Baseball Talk, and, of course, don't forget to check out lineupmedia.fm. They're the fastest-growing podcast company on the planet. Their entertainment time is very serious. Uh, your entertainment time is very serious to them, and I promise you, you're going to find another show worth, worth, their, worth the salt. Check them out today, lineupmedia.fm. Uh, for my producers, Brian Crock and Andrew Allen and everything they do, I say thank you. Uh, I'm your host, Jim Cromer. I'm with baseball season right around the corner as I'm watching my first baseball game on TV today from spring training. I say I'll see you on the field. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.